and welcome to the HBM podcast. I am the new sex, and I'm joined by not Frank. How are Kate? you doing? <laughs> I'm not. I am not Frank. Um, I am Kate. <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, thank you so much for coming on here. Oh, I'm super excited. Yeah. And uh, what are we going to talk about today? Um, we are going to talk about uh, David Cronenberg's newest movie, Crimes of the Future, which I deeply, deeply love. Yes, it's, uh, it is. So, dear viewer, uh, listening and viewing question advice, because it is a Cronenberg movie. <laughs> if you're not familiar with David Cronenberg, uh, oof, do a customary Google search. I can humbly recommend it. Um, Crimes of the Future is his latest work in 2022. And uh, yeah, I think it's a very interesting one. And Katie uh, suggested it to us. Kate, Kate, Katie, Kate. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's Kate. okay. I'm... Kate. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, no worries. I suggested it. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good suggestion. And I'm really happy to get into it. Me too. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've been a Cronenberg fan for a really long time. And um, actually, weirdly, the first Cronenberg movie I saw, I think, was Crash. Um, That's the J.G. Uh, J. G. Ballard one, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. On. And um, it's one of his, uh, I, I guess it's one of his, like, sort of wildest, um, most Cronenbergian movies um, where, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, people who are... Um, their fetish is car crashes and it kind of takes you into this like very niche underground world in a city of of these people who are sort of like challenging each other to do wilder and wilder car crashes um it sounds familiar i'm not yeah. it sounds familiar does it smell like <laughs> copper to you no it's, um, it's, um yeah but yeah, as like a forever sicko, I think like I watched that movie when I was probably too young to watch it. And I was like, this is my shit. <laughs> 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 so, um, yeah. And Cronenberg's been doing a lot of other kinds of movies um, that are also really great. Um, but this is like sort of, I think, his return to like the Videodrome scanners kind of like body horror that he's, oh, yeah. I think he's like known for. Yeah. There's definitely a, a quite a vehement focus on body and yes. how, once again, how body like links into being and so forth and so on. And don't worry, we'll get into it, but um, we will. yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. And well, this is, once again, you already, by, by explaining a little bit about crash, we already like, have entered into this, uh, well, the domain of Crimes of the Future. And mainly that is, I would say, for anyone still making up their mind if they want to listen to this episode or not. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be like, once again, it's probably going to be like, uh, have some psychoanalytical elements into it. Uh, it's going to have, once again, it's already there in the movie. It's not me being pretentious, but it's also going to be me being pretentious, to be honest. And I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest about this. Um, it's... Uh, and like yeah it's probably going to talk a little bit about like performance and aestheticism and how all these things very cohesively weave their own thread when they come together and i think that's very interesting and yeah so uh you're warned i guess um this episode might 
uh, might be quite graphic because the movie is quite graphic. So if you don't want to listen to anything overtly sexual or overtly uh, disturbing, grotesque, once again, body horror-wise, yeah, just please don't, then don't. Uh, that's that's the uh, content warning for this episode. So yeah, um, you want to uh, take us uh, into the crimes of the future? Let's uh, sure. into the future of crime, crime of the future. Crime. <laughs> yeah, so I guess just like a tiny quick synopsis and um, there will be spoilers. Um, oh, yeah. Many spoilers. Right yeah. yeah, so watch the movie first. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, you know, Cronenberg is very good at creating these, these worlds um, without doing um, a lot of exposition which is, I think, wonderful. Like, you just arrive into this place. So this is a um, a future world. We don't know how far in the future. Um, pro- could not be that far from now, where, um, you know, there's been a lot of um, environmental collapse. Uh, the It's actually set in, it's filmed in Greece, which is kind of cool because there's, like, the ancient ruin of Greece mixed with sort of contemporary ruins. And, you know, people live in these homes that are like sort of crumbling mansions and apartments and things like that. But like, maybe don't have the same kinds of like, maybe they don't have electricity. Um, It's hard to kind of, it's hard to, to, to sort of suss that out. Um, Even though they have these amazing, like, geiger machines <laughs> so maybe yeah. they have electricity who knows but well, um, rich yeah <laughs> so um so in this world um humans are um have evolved to not feel pain or or much pain anymore and there's also no infection which is a a good thing i think an interesting thing to throw in there that you know the things that people do now that they can't find feel pain, they're not like, you know, susceptible to infection in the same way because there is a lot of like self surgery and things like this. Um, and there is um, the two main characters are performance artists, and we're we're to believe in this world that performance art is suddenly like the big thing that everybody wants to be around performance artists and everyone wants to go to their like salons, which I think is really funny um, considering that I feel like as an artist, like a lot of people see performance art and they run screaming. <laughs> um, it's like one of those things that makes a lot of people deeply uncomfortable. So it's really funny that like in this movie, they're like the superstars Um but so the the main character Saul is a performance artist who is played by Viggo Mortensen, and he is he's a, one of the people of this time period that is starting to grow organs, just sort of like accidentally, like they're just happening. He's evolving uh, rapidly, yeah. and um, the government and is very concerned with like this sort of rapid evolution of humanity. And so there's like conflict between um, the government and the bureaucracy of the government, the artists 
who are kind of like working in this body art world. And then there is a um, group of like leftist organizers who are, or I guess not really organizers, let's say revolutionaries who are, have actually gotten surgery to completely change their bodies so that they can eat the industrial waste that is, you know, littered all over the world. Sort of like this, like, seeing the results of the Anthropocene and being like, well, the way we can fix this is to eat out all of the stuff. <laughs> um, and the so the government is like, they have sort of a comfortable relationship with the artists, um, but a deeply, um, are deeply opposed to what the um, plastic eaters are doing. Yeah. Because once again, it's getting, uh, it's taking control up to a point away from the government, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of the, the, the not so subtle commentary of Cronenberg, I think, in that regard. Namely that, like, once again, if they can take care of themselves, then why would they listen to us? Like, that's a very classic interpretation of this authoritarian government, like not being able to control people's fears and so forth and so on. And if they, like, can evolve into eating trash, God knows what they can evolve into more, and so forth, you know. So, this idea of, like, it is a, they experience a deeply, uh, they, they experience a collective set of fears, namely a psych- psychological one, like, oh my God, what is humanity? And now my notions of human, uh, the, pur- the purity concept and the purity ethics of human, the concept of humanity, is deeply being challenged by this phenomenon. Yes. And then there's also a deeply practical effect of it as well, namely the trash eating and God knows what more. And so they have a very direct, severe uh, stake in uh, keeping at least the changes, monitoring the changes, namely through this organ register. Uh, when a new organ is generated, they like, you know, they have to register it. And, um, and like also by like working with these artists and the thing that I find very interesting about Sol is then that he uh, rejects his organs. So, like, like the performative element here is uh, Sol removing those organs through surgery and essentially live streaming that surgery and like performing it into like recording it, not so much live streaming, but like recording it and like so that people uh, that it can be distributed. And, like, you have this, yeah, the performative element that people can see it then later on or something. In, and also in front of a live audience. And his whole justification is then that he's resisting the change. He's he's staying true to this preconceived notion of humanity. And, you know, it's this... Uh, I don't know what we should compare it to. It is not acceptance. Like, it's not it's not dying on a cross. It is, like... <laughs> Christ, if I'm, if I'm allowed to be pretentious, it is this <laughs> John Baptist not, being, not allowing to recognize the one that comes after. It is, like... Is this, I am fighting against this thing that I probably am never going to win. And they, they call the organs, they are seemingly not malign. They call the organs like cancers and tumors. And like, so I am fighting against this body of mine, my whole body. And in David Cronenberg movies, body have an intrinsic meaning, an intrinsic link to being, as in our philosophical notion of being and how we approach life. And, uh, <laughs> If you look at his his whole work, there's a deep relationship between manifestations of the mind or like 
convictions of the mind then manifest, manifesting themselves as afflictions in the body. And like, you know, they're so the body and being are so intrinsically linked through all the uh, Cronenberg movies. And uh, yeah, anyway, I, I did find that very uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking a lot about like, I've <laughs> I've seen this movie four times <laughs> um, and I've actually watched it I've watched it with different uh, partners in every, oh, I don't have, yeah, every time. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, I guess the, the last time I watched this, I thought more about, like, surveillance and control and, like, you know, that the, the, the bureaucrats, um, they want to be able to, like, name and catalog and track all of the organs that people are growing um, because like you said, they're afraid of like what humanity could be capable of next. Like um, I was thinking about how like, you know, this movie came out during the pandemic and, you know, just the sort of like insistence of um, our governments like going back to normal and like returning everything back to like a productive state. And there was like a time, I think, during lockdown in the United States, like at least, um, where we weren't very, I mean, I wasn't, I was unemployed and I was getting, um, I was getting unemployment for the first time, which was really cool because I'm a freelancer and like that had never existed before and will probably never exist again. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, but I was like fairly unproductive and it was pretty awesome. I was riding my bike around a lot and like, you know, but like that is not what the government wants, you know? So there's like this, this insistence that, you know, things stay as close to normal as possible. And like when things start getting real weird and people can eat plastic, that's like yeah. unruly you know, the government can't control that. <laughs> totally. But it's like, I do think it's funny because I feel that our uh, society or like our way of doing things, especially in the West, is even more insidious than uh, this version of society. Namely mm -hmm. because we would immediately commoditize the plastic eaters. Yeah, you're right. We, we, have, we can put them to work right away. So yeah. it's like, you know, and um, yeah, it's funny because I... Um, even though we plan to put this on a little bit later, but I think this is an interesting notion of how we cannot engage with any, how do I say this politely? We cannot engage with this wholesome notion of transhumanism, mainly because if we experience transhumanism, I would argue there is going to be immediately a market for it. Mm -hmm. Even if it's as a banal market of look at the transhumanist, look at, aren't they weird? Like, you know, it's like how long before A, there is going to be a market and B, a porn category for it it's like you know it's like this banal like harvesting of the new and the weird which then yeah. is immediately stripped of its cool otherness like this this once again this philosophical property of the new the weird is immediately stripped and mund uh, mund experience the mundane mundaneity i'm so sorry mm -hmm. of no, yeah. com commodification and um, it's that's, true that's, yeah. yeah i mean i think so like you know, speaking of transhumanism and um, why this movie, like one of the reasons why this movie is so interesting to me is I think like 
this is a movie for anyone who feels like their body is like unruly, you know, for like a disabled body, a trans body, bodies that like don't that like refuse to fit in, you know, Um, that they're it's like you can really see yourself in this movie, which I think is like something that doesn't happen very often in that way. And I so I wear an insulin pump um, like on the outside of my body and it basically functions as like a pancreas. Um, So thinking about organs and like productivity is really interesting to me because, um, you know, like it this could just be this is like a machine that keeps me alive, but it's also like. The way it was like sold to me was so that like you know I can skip lunch if I have a long meeting or yeah um you can be you a know, to being normal okay. yeah yeah like I can have a more productive non disabled life if I you know wear this thing and it's extremely expensive um and I can't afford actually like the the newest technology for diabetics is like amazing but it's completely unaffordable to me um. And so, yeah, there is that, like, immediate commodification of these, like, apparatuses that, you know, can actually, like, help people. You know, that it's like transhumanism isn't, like, inherently bad, but capitalism is. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know? So, you know, yeah. like, there's no way to exist, I guess, and have these kind of like new things. It makes me, it reminds me too of like AI, you know, that like AI is interesting, but like not under capitalism, (laughs) you know? Um, But then, yeah. So on the, like uh, I saw this movie with the first time I saw it was um, with uh, a partner and, that day this is like very personal but i don't mind talking about it um so that day yeah so that day i had i realized i like ran out of pump supplies um and i had i was like wearing kind of an older um thing that's like there's you know these like tubes that are in in my stomach and um I like it was starting to fall off and I like didn't have the money to get a new one. So it, I, it was all like taped up. <laughs> I had it all like medical taped up and um, I was like, I'm sorry, you know, this is like deeply unsexy. And that person was like, no, you look like someone from the movie crash. It's hot. And I was <laughs> like, that's so kind <laughs> and true. Like, this is also another weird person. So, like, the two of us ob- obviously work well together. But, like, it was just one of those. It's like a moment where your body is looked at and, like, I guess sort yeah. of recognized and, like, understood. Yeah, seen. Yeah, seen. It's, yeah. it's, it's a... So I feel like this movie does a lot for people who are often not seen. Oh, definitely. I, yeah. Like, I have a friend who, like, is in the same situation, and mm-hmm. uh, their child, um, like, dropped their insulin. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it, it was broken. It was yeah. not salvageable. Now, it's he happened luckily to me, too. Could, yeah. Yeah. And, and thank God he, you know, he, he has enough money put aside to, like, for such mm-hmm. an occasion. If he did not have an occasion, he would have, like, suffered severely. Like, yeah. up to death. And yeah. it's like, 
Anyway, um, let's get sidetracked into <laughs> yeah, that's the American track, health system. I know. Um, because even though it is, it's evil does like emanate this uh, vortex in which we can get easily sucked into. But that's, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so, so, but back to thinking more about, I guess thinking about organs, like uh, this movie, or, or this film <laughs> <laughs> makes me think a lot about um, Deleuze and like bodies without yeah. organs and um, this idea of like, uh, if we, if we see our bodies as like arboreal and hierarchical, we see them as productive, you know, like um, genetically and I guess genitally productive. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But if we start seeing our bodies as like, you know, situated amongst other humans and not humans, like we realize how like permeable, and like leaky and messy our bodies are and i think that's like a big (laughs) cronenberg hallmark you know that our bodies are always kind of like opening up in weird new ways (laughs) yeah and and this act is then often presented as politically neutral Uh, not neutral as in it doesn't take a side but it is not inherently evil nor inherently good it is just there and that is cool and you can kind of do with it what you will. It then yeah. is filtered through the prism of your being and the relationship that you then have with your body. Because once again, body is intrinsically linked to being in the Cronenverse, in the Cronenverse if you will. Cronenverse. Uh, I love that. Uh, in the, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I really appreciate that about David Cronenberg. I, d- I don't think that he, like, he's very good at, uh sort of presenting and building his world but not moralizing his world and like i think that like there's a this movie could be very reactionary like in sort of that you know like oh this is a slippery slope um you know people can't feel pain anymore so they're just they've completely descended into decadence and they're doing more and more disgusting things to their bodies and this is just you know just like this horrible alienated world that people live in and i i don't think he does that yeah it's funny that you say that because um one of my favorite artists as a child in uh he's dutch so it doesn't, doesn't matter his name is harry eckers and he made this song about the ballad of the death uh-huh. in which and once again it's a, it's a song for a child so it's not with the reactionary intentions okay but it's like he uh like a like it's it's about like this medieval setting about the king with like his uh, learned uh, court and whatever. So it's like, how can we capture the death? Because I'm afraid of death. I've already achieved everything, and I don't want to die because I'm still afraid of death. So they capture death, and then like uh, everybody like kills each other, but they don't die because they have captured death. And then they like kind of learn like, oh shit, it's all kind of meaningless without dying, and like you know, it's all kind of like grows sour, and we all become reactionaries, kind of sort. And then so they finally, like, the king himself is like, well, I will open the cage and he can, like, hug and I will hug him. And, like, you know, he said death free at the end. So that's, like, this little, uh, that immediately reminded me of that when you said that. Yeah, that's interesting. And actually, like, I'm, we shouldn't go on this tangent, but um, (laughs) Brandon Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son, I think explores that a little bit more in, like, Infinity Pool and things like that, where it's, like he is a little bit more like you, you can read his intentions a little bit more um, oh, yeah. than uh, David. Um, 
And I think like you can definitely read if you wanted to read that message into this movie, you could, but I think you could also, um, I do think this movie can be re- has like a ho- hopeful utopian read too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, I think especially um, the uh, why I would think that is mainly because the last 20 minutes. Yes. And outside of the last 20 minutes, there is a vehement polemic uh, discussion between one of the progressive group guys, the plastic eaters, and the uh, and Saul, the performative mm-hmm. artist. And once again, we have already said like Saul is vehemently against this notion of this progressive group because the way uh, he has like enveloped himself in his rationale of like I'm resisting, I'm this, I'm that, and that has been his performative shtick for like over well, it's probably his entire career, his entire being, his entire becoming, and so forth and so on. And he is then vehemently against. Anything that this progressive group says about eating the plastic, and uh, this plastic is then manifested in a very colorful candy bar, (laughs) and there is this like they have this discussion about, but don't you see what you're becoming? It's beautiful, and you should let it be. There is this once again. I'm probably going to spend a little bit more time later, but I just kind of want to get this dynamic out of the way. Otherwise, I'll talk about start talking about four things at the same time. It's a Cronenberg movie. (laughs) There, there's not one definitive reading, I would argue. But um, he then moves this candy bar because the the guy Rickon recognizes something in Seoul, and he moves the candy bar across this uh, across this fridge, which has his dead son. Don't worry, we'll get to it. But um, <laughs> it's it's quite something. Um, it's so he, he moves across the uh, the fridge and he or like whatever it is, the icebox, and like. Both Sol and his assistant Caprice, uh, or his co-star, or whatever, you, whatever you think I should have said, listener. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, it's uh, then says doesn't say anything, but just dramatically looks at Sol and nods. No, don't, don't eat it. And it's not just a fun little experiment. And despite if you eat it and you can't digest it, you die, because we are shown that earlier in. But that is not what that scene is about, I would argue. It is about the abandonment of his preconceived notion of his mm-hmm. art. And that the Caprice, his assistant, is not ready for that, and neither is Sol. And so he doesn't take a bite of the candy bar. And <laughs> I think that 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 alone, just that simple scene, that the denial of eating a candy bar is such a, once again, is so polemically charged, mm-hmm. which is like, who else is doing that? That's all. That's all I'm asking. That's like, yeah. No. No, I love. I love that. I love the. Um. I think that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like really biting commentary about the art world in this movie. Um, but I still think like you know Cronenberg comes out on the side of like I don't think he's saying that like art is worthless. Um, no. No. But, I think that people's approach to art is what he's criticizing. Right. The art itself. Yeah, I agree. I think that um like art as a as a scene, um, art as like a like a an in group, you know, um, or like the way that we make like you um you called Saul a, a washed up actor, I think. And that <laughs> I love I love that like idea that like 
you know, he's he's a a like a an art world superstar um or he was one maybe like 10 years before 20 years before um and he's still sort of doing the same thing and there's that like i think that's like a um it's a pretty like well trod trodden trope of like um movies about artists you know that there's like the the washed up artist who's still trying to figure out how to like be important to the world especially Um, with a younger assistant yeah yeah unfortunately (laughs) i mean i think also yeah the younger female assistant um i don't love that as a choice but um well i i think it's purposeful because once mm -hmm. again he's not championing saul to be a good guy true there's no endorsement of saul Right. And once again, we need to be careful when we're creating arts to not, once again, this, this this is such, you're walking always on a nice edge when doing this, because once again, you don't want to be, uh, if you want to create art that is very straightforward and kind of, kind of, it's condemning a certain set of ideas or mm-hmm. uh, like, especially like, okay, if you want to make a movie that's about, hey, fascism sucks, all power to you. But <laughs> at the same time, and I, I do, like, I applaud you and like, I'm happy that you are we at least agree on this thing, little thing, which apparently is not that much of a uh, commonality anymore. I'm so worried. But other than that, yeah. it's, you know, I, as art, as someone who is like, who likes art and once again, has two podcasts about <laughs> talking about art. You know, I kind of like it. I like, kind of like the stuff. I don't know. I don't know what it's about it, but I like it. But um, I am, I don't need more art. It's like fascism, bad. Women are people. Like it's, you know, I, I kind of was done with that like 20 years ago. Yeah, it's and, boring. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so and once again, if you're younger and you and like, you know, so I'm not saying it shouldn't be made. I'm just saying there should be, ideally, in my humble opinion, a bit more of a shift to allow me to think, allow me to, you know, talk to someone and like like grasp at like this multi sided, multifaceted prism of meaning that is then injected into this movie. And once again, we cannot put too much ambivalence, too much arbitrary um stuff into a movie but i do think Cronenberg watched uh, walks this knife's edge really well mm-hmm. like better than most uh, uh directors do and a lot of directors have in the past like distanced themselves on the work like oh no didn't say that was a good thing or anything like you know when when secretly we all know you, you kind of suck like you know it's, <laughs> you know it's, it's like then do talk about what you do think is a good thing and then they don't so um <laughs> very very conveniently very weird um so yeah it's it's so i think it works in this movie so once again the old artist being infatuated the multiple infatuation up to a point uh with the younger uh woman artist is uh who is (laughs) is rough but it is rough with a purpose and it's 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 depiction it's not I'm, i'm making such a point out of this because i hate people who are like uh like oh, um, we should treat women badly in medieval fantasy because that's just how the medieval fantasy. Oh works. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you know, I'm careful. I'm trying to be careful and like, like you know, um, I do hate. <laughs> I do hate that defense. It's fantasy. It's fa- idiots. Yeah, but, you can you know, do whatever you want in fantasy. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah, we're like oh, black people shouldn't be in there, but we do have dragons. Like okay, shut up. Just, <laughs> just say you're racist. Just say you're racist. Like shut, shut the fuck. 
that's yeah. like yeah I, I i could talk about that forever my my criticism of all high fantasy is it's basically just like medieval england with dragons and you're like why it doesn't have to be it could literally yeah. be anything and i guess yeah like bringing it back to to cronenberg like um there yeah, sorry. <laughs> are some no there are some <laughs> some interesting like sort of parts of this world that feel um confusing um and you're not quite sure why those choices were made and like i think that's i i like that you know because you can kind of fill in your own meanings but like you know we talked about um how this is potentially a well see a, a post-digital world a pre-digital world um a, a world where the digital never existed um you know all of the technology is like you know kind of like from the 80s um yeah. it's like very heavy and um like you know has like weight as objects um which technology doesn't really have anymore um yeah and it like all is very minimalist and like, yeah so. um yeah like all the tvs and the performances are like those 80s like incredibly heavy for you know their furniture like these objects um which i think like you know he calls back to like videodrome um era technology yeah, what do you think about that as like part of this world? I think it's interesting because uh, just like as a, as a meta uh, stuff, um, mm -hmm. I do dislike this uh, sleek stuff and like you know mm -hmm. design of everything. This appleification of literally fucking everything. Yeah. And alongside what people don't understand, like oh, but I like the minimalism. It's like no, you don't. You might like the outside of it, and that is what minimalism is good at. To like sell you the outside, um, outer layer, not anything uh, like intrinsic to it, not anything on the inside. And this takes a very literal, uh, permeable shape in that the old and the clunky, these things look huge and were ungainly, but mm -hmm. you can also see every single part of it. And if it's broken, you could have just taken it out and replaced it with another part. You right. just need bought a new part. You never had to like, throw away the whole thing and if your iphone is broke good luck good luck getting that bit son of a bitch open you get the son of a bitch open uh no guarantee warranty stuff for you anymore fuck you yeah um, you can never like, close it again yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's like oh but you opened it yourself you didn't come here and pay us 500 dollars to repair your shitty phone like well then too bad you tried to do it yourself we are not like you know you're not going to give you any money back or anything and this is like this whole curse of minimalism and especially amplification of everything and i hate that so much okay but in in relation to this movie it's okay it it's second opening scene it opens with a kid that can eat stuff and we will get to that don't worry but it's second opening scene is salt and we get like introduced to this washed up uh i would argue a, a guy passes prime but still with a decent enough following that is like you know that he has this 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 is this cult figure much like <laughs> Hmm. Much like Cronenberg himself, I suppose. I don't yes, know. I mean but, he does. There is a possibility that this, and we can talk about this later, that this is a movie that, um, where he is sort of like contemplating his age and yeah, career. it's also a deep exploration of self. 
both yes. in the very visceral, literal sense, and now from a directorial sense. Yes. Like, look at me. It isn't just not just me, but I am dealing with this metacontextual definition of me and the other me's, the old, mm-hmm. uh, the old veterans who still have a, like uh, some kind of re- uh, reference and like uh, are revered up to a point, yeah. but are not as you know. <laughs> You're not going to see Cronenberg do an MCU movie. Is what I'm trying to get at. And no, that's a good I, thing. God, I hope I, not. I, I, I kind of now do actually, but never. Mind. That's, <laughs> that's never going to happen. That's that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But anyway, back um, to the technology. Yeah, the, the technology, <laughs> and then we we see the um, we see we see a technology that can only describe as Geiger technology. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, uh, one of the most influential sci-fi visual artists of all time is a. Uh, God, I forgot his initials. I'm so sorry. HR? HR? Is it HR? Is it? Oh, you were right. Fuck me. Okay. HR Geiger. And he, once again, you'll know him from the Xenomorph design. The Xenomorph is the alien in the movie Alien. And so there's that type of technology. And I'm always kind of sad because I, I kind of dig it. I, that was like one of my first introductions to the weird and like, you know, uh, weird side, like W weird, a capital W weird side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which then is then the man sleeps in this Geiger crib, um, not crib as in <laughs> a house. Crib. Crib I love in, a crib. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, it has this, it shakes as well. It shakes yeah. like a, uh, it has this, deeply unsettling swaying motion into it mm-hmm. and i i find that interesting but um he then also has a chair which is just straight out of geiger's work like it's the breakfaster yes. which i love yeah yeah and he uh, sketched those things in like late 60s some and throughout the 70s and i do think that the digital uh uh the the stuff the technology that we see is shaped through the lens of when geiger was alive like when geiger was making his stuff and it doesn't, so to me, there was never digital media. I think it stopped there purposefully because uh, the stuff that he has, the little bit bad stuff and like the chair, is what in that universe counts as peak technology. That is the ultimate culture to them. Both culture as in development of human creation. And I find that like, uh, I find it so interesting because once again, it's uh, a thing that I really like about Cronenberg is that he doesn't for a moment hesitate to like bring the weird into the now. It mm-hmm. is we never get an explanation about what the bed does, or like, well, we know what the bed does, sort of kind of, but there's never an exposition on it. There's never any kind of like, you know, like long, like, oh Christ, are they gonna like do uh uh explain what the bed does now? Because for me, as as a, as a weirdo, I my in, my interpretation of the bed is gonna be way cooler than anything you have to say about it. So Absolutely. it's like, you know, you know, yeah, I let me just, you know, let me be along with my little uh headcanon so to speak i don't think that works yeah and i love that there's like a um you know there's a like technicians that come out and fix these um weird machines that people use now you know that like there's this idea that um yeah, people just have these breakfaster chairs and every once in a while they need to be like reattuned to your body and these, you know, lesbian technicians come out and and fix them in their coveralls and like that's all just like 
that's yeah. what it that's what you would do every day you know like and that is really interesting because once again his being changes so his body changes and so forth and so on so this uh this this motif is constant throughout this movie and who doesn't want like cool open open relationship bisexual uh engineers coming to the house <laughs> like yeah. you know like you know who doesn't want yeah. that i'm sorry to be flippant here but like you know it's what's yeah. not to love about that and like I wish the, I had a cool bat that I could show him that they like. I don't know. Right. Like the, the reverence they have for the technology that they've made, you know, the the um the older uh autopsy machine that they have, yeah. you know, that Saul and um I almost called her Clarice. That's not right. Caprice. Caprice, yes. <laughs> um the yeah the machine that they have is apparently you know like it is an old you know cult classic autopsy machine that one of the techs has never seen in person and they're like oh my god what a beauty (laughs) yeah it's this really cool lp player yeah and um (laughs) i you know i think it's interesting because it's like these are these machines that are are were built to be like finely attuned to humans and like their changing needs but then the breakfaster is also like this incredibly awkward like sort of bumbling machine you know like it doesn't it's not working for Saul anymore um you know and in, in the the same way that he he keeps rejecting the new organs that he's growing and you know calling them a cancer he is getting it's harder and harder like over the course of the movie for him to like speak and swallow and he kind of um he like walks around outside in the like he sort of looks like a um he's like an artsy monk you know like (laughs) Like a ninja ninja. yeah Yeah. normalized Um, dressing like soul that's all i'm saying yeah like i I mean it looks very comfortable like he's always i want to squat in corners as well (laughs) he loves to squat yeah (laughs) he's always in a corner (laughs) strong eastern european tendencies in this man it's yeah uh, it's a remnant from eastern promises yes He's always, yeah, wearing these, like, nice, gauzy, kind of, like, non-binary <laughs> wraps and stuff. Has a mask and, on. And, yeah, you know, and, and is wearing a mask. Yeah, like, yeah. another another thing that I noticed, I feel like, because this is a pandemic-era movie. Um, but, yeah, like, he he's fighting the what his body wants to do. So he's, uh, and, like, I guess you know, more and more people are doing that, which is why they have these breakfaster chairs, right? That, you know, there are more and more people who I guess have, like, major digestive issues and, like, swallowing issues and, like, have a hard time eating because they're, like, fighting the trajectory that their body wants to go in. Definitely. Yeah. And, yeah, I I do think that that is then the two... That's the most outspoken Cronenberg is ever going to get, like, in his movies. It is then mm-hmm. the, like, on the one side, there's the solipsism of things. Like, I'm rejecting, I am I am adhering to this purity idea of, uh, of humanity. And just going to insert a lot of myself into this, but I, 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 I resent any notion of purity. I don't. It's always deeply fascistic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Sorry to get, like, excessive here, maybe. I don't know. 
But to me, any kind of notion of purity always leads to totality and never like in full totality. Like in a totality in the sense of encompassing, no. It is always uh, deeply reactionary and exclusionary and deeply yes. afraid of change and so forth and so on. And I, I deeply hate that. And that's what I mean with his fascistic characteristics. Like it's, you know, it's, it's control. And it is also this, there's the proper, there's the uber, there's the uber and the under. Like there's, you know, there's the, then the undermensch, which is the one that evolves away from it. And once again, there's also some Lovecraft in there if you want to read into it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's very interesting. And you have the, the so that soul's perception. And then you have the progressive perception. Like, okay, just once again, um, I'm not entirely into the way that they phrase it. But I do agree with them in spirit, if nothing else. And it's like, yeah, oh, surrender to your body, uh, become what your body wants you to become. And like, so why I like it is because they preach it in contrast to soul. And then it becomes not just simply preaching, but a form of acceptance. Acceptance mm -hmm. of your body and knowing that your body is not a fixed thing, but an endless creation, an endless expression of yourself. And once again, Dr. Cronenberg linked to being. So yourself, and uh, they use the word like you're surrendering to your body, and that to me, <laughs> as a deeply neurotic person, smacks of bioessentialism. <laughs> yeah, and I am worried about that a little bit, but it's fine. Yeah, so I was thinking about that about bioessentialism, and like I, I feel like yeah, it could definitely fall prey to like that kind of reading. Um, luckily, Cronenberg came out and said you know that um this movie is couldn't have come out at like a better time with um you know attacks on trans folks and on you know women like basically yeah. you know poten potentially not being able to get abortions anymore yeah, um, which in is the United quite States. the literal uh government controlling human change yeah yeah, yeah so right? i mean i'm really i'm happy you know sure death of the author or whatever but like it is it is very it's nice like you know when when you have like a a person that you really admire as an artist you know kind of come out and be like actually this is like this is part of what i was thinking about and oh, like yeah. if anybody was wondering <laughs> you yeah. know cuz i'm sure people were wondering and i think like um you know, thinking about like if this is a reflection of Cronenberg's own career, like if there's some of Saul in in or some of Cronenberg and Saul or vice versa. Um yeah. you know, there are so many like washed up quote unquote artists or actors or whoever who have, you know, gotten very reactionary um and are incredibly disappointing. Like how many people how many people do we find out horrible things about on Twitter every day? You know, yeah, I think the it, it's mm, if I'm allowed to wildly speculate for two seconds. In the sure. use of the of Geiger aestheticism is then interesting because it might he might purposely contrast himself to Ridley Scott. Ooh, yeah. Because Ridley okay. Scott is this reactionary. Uh, oh, uh, fuck young people! They are on their phones. They're stupid. Uh, I am actually genius, and so forth and so on. And it's like, I think this then, and, and once again, the, then Ridley Scott also has, has this cult following larger than 
Cronenberg, I would say, but that doesn't necessarily uh, <laughs> disprove this this well speculation thesis, whatever. It's it's then I think a very interesting. And once again, it's obviously not Ridley Scott per se, but I do think then again, the utilization of dagger aestheticism is very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. And the thought maybe you know. Once again, what I do think works in favor of what you're saying, what I also think, is that Cronenberg is undeniably interested in exploring himself and communicating the message of uh, encouraging of explore yourself, mm-hmm. uh, explore your notions and your uh, philosophical conceptualization of self. And that's undeniable. And, you know, so I think you're onto something. Long story short. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, his, um, you know, this goes... I guess to like sort of an idea about like absolute purity that like uh, denying that there's like an absolute truth, like everything is subjective. Um, This is about his subjective self because it only can be about that, you know, like you can't, you can't just like, I mean, a lot of people try to in films, I think, you know, try and say that this is some sort of objective truth. Um, which is why so many films aren't good, <laughs> in my well, I, humble opinion. <laughs> I think it's interesting because with the with the ending of the film, with uh, so once again the biggest spoiler coming now. Uh, so if you if you were okay with the micro spoilers up to this point, uh, once again, I give you a warning. Um, <laughs> with the ending of the movie, is then really interesting because it is it is uh, Saul's capitulation to the progressive uh, ideology, the their uh, their rhetoric. By eating the plastic candy bar, finally, by not allowing to eat the normal food. Normal food, by the way, looks less appetizing. Yes, the, it looks horrible. The candy bar, but, it looks uh, horrible. <laughs> and it's um, and he then finally and uh, eats the candy bar and like he he cries like he has this moment of severe self realization. And mm-hmm. I think the only type of objective truth that Cronenberg is interested in comes through this deep exploration of the self, through mm-hmm. exploration of your own meta subjectivism it is like because once again he explores his uh, subjectivist uh, ideas and concepts so deeply that he that leads him to eating the plastic candy bar which then gives him an objective realization and yeah. i think this sequence of ideas once again not 100 sure about this but i think this is the only way Cronenberg's even remotely interested in depicting like you know something truthful objectively true yeah yeah, and I mean the end is like incredibly beautiful. Like he he it's like a um passion of Joan of Arc like yeah. moment, you know, where he looks like he's in this like ecstasy. Oh, he very much hears the voice of God. Yeah, he really There's does. This, this this uh halo coming down on him almost mm-hmm. as well in this black and white. Yeah, no, I mean it's gorgeous. Like he he you know in the in the the whole movie is very like um you know he's struggling like throughout the whole movie you know he's coughing and choking and like hacking he sounds horrible (laughs) and he's and he's constantly like worried about the sun and allergies and like this is this moment where he's like kind of weightless and like you know um it's like yeah it's like a saintly moment you know where he he like gains this consciousness where he's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm like ready for kind of like whatever the next 
moment yeah. is and like well, i might die and i might eat this candy bar and and like feel fucking great <laughs> the timing for me to watch this movie as well is great because he lit so the ending in uh, the more simplest form maybe i don't know um is uh he him abandoning his sisyphean struggle Mm-hmm. He's no longer pushing this boulder up a hill. Right, yeah. Which is, uh, he's, eating, if, if, he's eating the boulder. <laughs> he's, well, yeah, I suppose he is, isn't he? Yeah. He's eating his punishment and so forth. And, like, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the um, with the girl who, like, argued that um, we are missing the point of a Sisyphus, namely that Sisyphus gets stronger by pushing up the boulder up the oh, hill. Oh, God. And that this, is, this is good, actually, because oh, you, no. become, you become a more productive capitalist peon if you become stronger. So, like, by doing the same dead-end job every day, you actually become stronger and better, and that's good. In in in, in that vein, I would like to propose that uh, we now think of King Midas as a uh, mathematical genius, because everything he touches it turns to gold, and who doesn't <laughs> want more gold, right? Your wife? Gold now. She was right. annoying There's anyway. no morals no. to any of these stories. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, And uh, I love that she tried to defend, like, oh, you have to reinterpret it, uh, classics from so on and so on, like, <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. but maybe not. Like it's it is still literal punishment, my guy. I'm so it's sorry. like yeah, the emperor wears no clothes, but everybody yeah. loves it because he looks great. <laughs> yeah, because he's very well endowed. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, precisely. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I think like I was wondering because we've talked about we've talked about art a bunch and like sort of arts arts possibilities and limitations and like you know this is like a hard one for me because i'm an artist but i'm also a leftist so it's like i do feel like the the way art the art world is constructed under capitalism um you know produces like capital a artists or like superstars and then or 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 nothing like you you don't make quote unquote make it and then you never get to like really feel like you claim being an artist um and i think yeah i don't know it's hard because it's like i think there are limitations to aestheticizing like embodiment i guess you know that Mm um the way that Saul and like the other performance artists are working is like it's fairly apolitical and like the bureaucrats and the cops think it's safe enough that they're like we'll just keep letting them do this stuff because like actually you said it's not even safe it like reinforces what they would like you know like they're actually saying what the cops would like um you know people to believe so they're almost like uh um you know an apparatus of the state like they're doing their job for them yeah it's interesting then that the cop has a uh the cop that we talked to has a growth on yes. his abdomen yeah and uh, ooh, mm, i don't know if i want to get into that because uh, i'll edit it out if it doesn't go anywhere um it's okay <laughs> it's the cop having a growth a, a growth on his abdomen and thus he's fighting uh being a cop is fighting uh a standard of humanity that he doesn't belong to mm-hmm. and it's then kind of I, i'm so sorry once again I, not not my uh, field to necessarily talk about but to me it stood out that the guy is also black mm-hmm. and a cop mm-hmm. and maybe there's a like there's a commentary on black cops 
being cops being a deeply racist institution in the United States and everywhere, by the way, but <laughs> vehemently in the United States, like, yeah. you know, like yeah. pro league in the United States, I would say. Yes. Like yes. Uh, we are, we are the best at <laughs> the most horrible, violent cops. Yeah. And yeah. over here it's getting there. I would say like there's yeah. a lot of uh, leaked text messages between uh, cops, uh, chat groups, and stuff, and like, yeah, it's it, once again. So it's getting there. So I'm, I don't want to be an arrogant European. It's like, oh, America bad. No, and, there's a lot it's, of it's, it's fascism in Europe too. It's bad. Oh, it's bad all around. Yeah. Yeah, and and like so, you know, like acknowledging that if we don't do something about it over here, we will get the exact same situation, mm-hmm. and or at least a similar situation that is also horrendous. And so I don't, once again, I don't know if like uh, I do find that a very interesting juxtaposition to real life and that is then translated into this, like, because there's no racism, I suppose, in this movie. There's just notions mm-hmm. of humanity. Mm-hmm. As, and that is that has become this new racism, sexism, transphobia, and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, anyway, so that, that that's something that stood out to me. Not necessarily something I want to, <laughs> I can get into as someone who isn't black. You know, right yeah it's, uh, no yeah. it's true i did notice that and it's like you know it's one of those things with cronenberg you're like well <laughs> he doesn't do a lot of things unintentionally mm. you know like is this a a blind spot because he's an older white you know yeah. canadian i don't know um <laughs> yeah who knows um canadian with a german name Fuck. yeah what <laughs> what's going on daddy cronenberg um, I would like to get then get into the child that can eat stuff. Yeah, yeah, Brecken. Um, Brecken, thank you so much. Um, Brecken is like, well, there we go. It's a child that can eat stuff, and it's the child that is born that way. He doesn't need mm-hmm. any alteration. There's no um, the the purity of the uh, the pure transhumanism, a human that is like trans naturally, and I don't uh, necessarily link notions of trans anything to any notions of naturality because naturality once again comes too close for me for uh purity and i once again we can uh, once i can talk about nature and we can talk about biology and uh, once again uh, bio stuff and like you know and identification of certain things and i have nothing against biological genders in theory they're just (laughs) not that important to me like you know like it's (laughs) i have these very i have the inverse idea of like what the average human being Things like oh I don't know about trans stuff like it's for me I don't know about bio bio stuff it's not that interesting to me and it's not of a higher category than you know than than transsexuality for instance to me at least agree and yeah. yeah and like anyway so but he is both he is undeniably trans in a way <laughs> like you know to be born the right way quote unquote okay we'll get into that but he can essentially chew chew through solid material. Yes. And when that's the case, you do really need to be aware of your intrusive thoughts, but that's beside the point. <laughs> it's um, Once you can th- chew through anything, you really need to you know, watch out for that. And then it, is, it has this deeply weird, deeply Cronenberg opening uh, scene where the, his mom kills him before being weird, which then encapsulate essentially the thesis of this movie. Like the, the weird emerging out from under the unacceptance of like the uh of the people who are in an advantageous position once again as a trans person for instance you are at a disadvantageous position as an opposition to cis privilege and so forth and so on like water is wet for a lot of people that are listening i'm so sorry but we kind of need to acknowledge certain things here yeah and 
and yeah, so it's like this 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 mother was 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 essentially uh, oh, I'm so sorry, but it's essentially just this person, I suppose, and yeah. can't accept her trans son, even though her trans son is did nothing wrong, literally. And I think then it is very interesting that he chooses that he doesn't do. Once again, I don't think you're wrong if you're trans, obviously, if you didn't get on by now. But according to the cis perception of, well, you chose to change, like whatever, you choose to change or whatever, like mm-hmm. that that's somehow, that that decision, if it is a decision, yes or no, I'm not, once again, don't mind, I don't care, is is then up for debate somehow, according to cis people, by cis people. It yeah. is, by the way. But to the mom, his, his natural, uh, unintentional change which, again, for a lot of trans people, is how they describe it. Like, they are just the way they are, and they didn't choose anything. And they still get smothered by a pillow, so to speak. Metaphorically. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it is a bit too obfuscated to say a direct analogy is uh, applicable, but then David Cronenberg is deeply uninterested in direct analogies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's, indeed. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. The key. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I guess, uh, yeah, I was thinking of Brecken and, like, the, you know, the father is the leader of, like, you know, this, the plastic eater kind of, like, leftist faction in this uh, city, and he and his... um, like he and his comrades have gotten this like incredibly complicated surgery. You know, he, he shows like the, or I guess someone else shows the scars that he has from the operation. It's a super complicated thing. And like, I guess there's like all sorts of like schematics where you can do it to your other comrades, which is really interesting. Um, And then somehow it's a group project. Yeah. <laughs> DIY. No, yeah. yeah. You can do it at your anarchist uh like maker space. <laughs> yeah. Get the the new surgery. Um Yeah, they but... they're sharing their tea shop. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's a zine. <laughs> yeah. Um but it's really interesting cuz yeah, so it's like, you know, he got he went and got this incredibly complicated surgery and then his son was born um you know just biologically with this thing and it's sort of like magical like there's you know i think it's all is like that's not possible like if you cut off your leg your kid isn't born without a leg and so like there's a level of sort of magic to it i think which i i like like i think it's cool that there's no explanation for like how how this happened because like uh, evolution is a lot more complicated than people think it is, you know? And it's like, I mean, obviously that's not exactly how evolution works, Mm -hmm. but I think it's okay as an artist to um, just be like, I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to say that this kid did the, you know, that this happened um, as like a way uh, to, you know, sort of like move something forward. Um, yeah, and... the movie. Sorry. Oh yeah, go go ahead. I think that the movie is very interested in uh, deeply. Uh, how do you say this? Uh, uh, compressing. It's deeply mm-hmm. interested in compressing time 
both in the uh, discussion of technology of digital that we just had, but it's also yeah. very interested in compressing time of evolution in this case, which mm -hmm. is what we stumbled upon. I think, is that it is then interested in compressing the time of what it would normally take to evolve millions of years. That is, right, incredibly right. slow process, which is why you should be afraid of AI. Um, but other than that, other than that, yes, it is. <laughs> it's or robots in general. I don't know. And it's, I agree. Um, it's, right? They can do it in microseconds. We need millions of years. Yeah, right? no, After thank that, you. <laughs> but it's, um, he then compresses like a bunch of stuff. Like he compresses the, um, like the, the technology, the filming, especially there are a lot of shots. Oh, there's even cool shot of like camera rings that I would love to have. Oh yeah, those um, are really cool. Like this is box of like cool camera rings. Oh, I love that. I don't box. even need yeah. a camera. I just want the rings. They look yeah. so cool. I um, love them as objects, like in another object. Like it's this beautiful like yes. jewelry box that's opened yeah, up. Matryoshka jewelry. Yeah, but, and then she yeah. like pick, you know, kind of like looks at all of them and like picks the one that she really wants, and it's a very like ritualistic process of how she like, oh yeah, you know, opens it up and grabs them and. Even like um where the candy bar is stored until he's ready, um, yeah. is also kind of like in a box that they open up and they're like, Okay, I present to you plastic candy bar. <laughs> yes. And um, he like I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. And he one final thing, sorry. And he like then compresses this old camera stuff with uh, our modern um our contemporary sensationalism mm -hmm. of, uh, once again, the, the flocking culture, if you will, like the social mm -hmm. media culture, like not missing out, witnessing everything. If you don't, if you haven't witnessed everything, have you lived? Ha are you being? Are you like, you know, are, <laughs> are you real? Are you like, you know, manifesting yourself, realizing yourself, self-actualizing yourself in a proper manner? And so yeah. And so on. so I also this, love... this is a lot of compression. Yeah, and I love like when... Um talking about that the filming of everything that like i just thought about this that part of what is cool about it is there are these these rings and then other kinds of cameras that look like sort of foreign they're like kind of steampunky like you know they're not no. like um they're not like apple products they're <laughs> sort of these weird like they make weird noises and they like whir and stuff which is cool um but it's funny because, yeah, when you're at, um, you know, we're watching all these people watching a performance and they're all holding up their cameras and you're like, look at all these weirdos. And then it's like, oh, we do that, but we're holding up our iPhones and like that looks very normal to us. But yeah. looking at all these people with their like camera rings, I love how uh, like sci-fi directors take things that are like very much a part of our current culture and like tweak them just enough so like you're criticizing what's happening and then realizing that like that's a thing that happens now definitely <laughs> you know i think it's like cronenberg then continues this tradition of like or this motif in his uh, story that the thing that i like and i have, then I have an interpretation of it that i like and dislike like I have an interpretation of this once again this uh, vapid performative, uh, mm -hmm. vapid sensationalism of you cutting the body open, but at the same time, it's uh, there's a sentence like uh, we unleash things into each other, and that sounds hot. Like I'm sorry, super it's hot, like, you know, yeah, right? Like the way they look at each other when they're saying it as well, mm -hmm. and like she is then also very much in charge of him, and like uh, 
to continue this this path a little bit, I um I find it then very interesting how once again, uh, this is like getting more into the psychosexual element of this movie. I think this um it is a very in- okay. Let me just say this: it is a very interesting exploration of voyeurism. I think mm-hmm. in so mm-hmm. many ways with like. Once again, moving on from the cameras onto what the cameras do and what function they preserve, uh, generate, essentially, is that, like, how voyeurism can be enjoyable in and of itself. Mm-hmm. For uh, We see this in one of the donor registered people, the guy. He just is interested in voyeurism itself as a kink, as, as a fetish, even. Mm-hmm. And then there is the, the Kristen Stewart character, T- Tim Timley. Timlin, Tim 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 yeah. Timlin. Fuck! <laughs> Timlin. Tim and um, it's once again a uh, great, great performance. And she's like just a weird, weird, weird little person, and I love. Yes. It. And uh, allow women to be weird little people. I, I love it. <laughs> and it's truly, but um, she then has more of like uh, her fetishization goes down a bit deeper by wanting to join in on it, mm-hmm. not necessarily uh, joining on souls and caprices thing. But wanting to uh, later herself and like you know ideally have soul operated or whatever and like that's okay so that's the way that is portrayed is deeply sexual and you cannot tell me anything else. Yeah, and, it's a very yeah. sexy movie. Like I think that you know you can there are levels um, where you can like you know deeply intellectualize and um, you know talk about the psychology of this movie, which we've been doing. But mm-hmm. it is also a super hot movie. Like I think <laughs> it's just a a movie that like Cronenberg likes bodies and flesh and openings and like messiness and um and I love that about him. And like I'm a, I'm a I'm a pervert, so like I find these <laughs> things really interesting. Yeah, and I think once again the depiction of and the exploration of voyeurism is so interesting because it's like it requires this once again it requires this idea of being and in this case with the Cronenberg movie also self and how this can be explored in both a a physical direct and uh in more of a distance how do you say a non-physical or like indirect way Mm -hmm. by watching and how the watching can be this incredibly Sorry, not trying to get too much into it, but um, <laughs> can can be this incredibly gratifying experience on a once again, if if we draw it into the more of the of the real that is, uh, it can be a very physically gratifying experience. But in both cases, both movie and uh, the fact itself, it can be a deeply psychologically satisfying experience. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think that is. Oh boy, um, with all the kinks and fetishes explored and used as cheap props in movies, it is incredibly refreshing to see like a more thorough and oddly tender exploration of, mm-hmm. like not tender, but like emotion, purposefully emotional. Yeah, like emotionally connected, not, um, I guess not, uh, I think like a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of depictions of like kink and fetish are often like um it's used as like part of crime, you know. Oh. And and um you know, I I'm thinking about like cop procedurals and stuff, you know, there's always like somebody gets murdered at the swinger club. 
you know, and like, because you're already so decadent and perverse that like, of course, you're kind of like asking for danger, you know, And, and, and there isn't, there's like, I guess, like, performative, well, there's real danger in this movie, too. But like a lot of the kink and fetish that's explored is sort of like performative danger, which is what a lot of that's why a lot of people like kink you know because there's it's playing with playing with roles or playing with just scenarios you know but like Mm -hmm. being fully aware that it's like you have a safe word you know like oh totally yeah yeah and i think they raffle saul and copies then raffle in this idea of uh playing around with perception as well Mm -hmm. and i think this is where like more of the, the, this is not going to be as straightforward if you're going to watch the movie, but I think up to a point, it is then a critique of uh, the dream factory of art. Namely that especially movie stars, music uh, like artists I suppose it can even go for athletes, I suppose. Like If you only work hard enough, if you don't give up, if you change your dreams uh, completely discounting capitalism and mm-hmm. <laughs> and thus giving this vapid uh, cranking, uh, cranking out of dreams of hollowed out, turned inside out, like this, this, uh, this skeleton of a dream, like even less of a skeleton. It's like just the skin, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> it's the skin suit of a dream that is then being cranked out inintentionally or intentionally. I don't know, but it's being cranked out by Saul and Caprice because we see its effect on, once again, the donor registration guy who is then coming in contact with, like, oh, I got the bug, oh, I, I, I got the fetish or whatever, and he, like, says as much. And Caprice is profoundly uninterested in this. And because she's being confronted because of him by his uh, dreams that are then uh, infected into him by Saul and her, she mm-hmm. then goes off immediately to change, change, uh, chase her dreams and, like, confronts someone she respects and she gets infected by because... She, this other person is cutting herself open and like, you know, mm-hmm. is purposefully making herself being something different that is not beautiful, but what she finds interested in being, the person she finds interested in becoming. And, uh, well, anyway, this leads to, once again, a bunch of other things, doesn't matter. But I think <laughs> this is something that uh, he's very interested in playing. With. Mm-hmm. And it is this, it is then this very subliminal critique of Hollywood and like uh, entertainment industry, not Hollywood, but entertainment industry, I would argue, mm-hmm. and I think that's I think that's deeply interesting. 2022 in general was a big year for fuck you Hollywood movies. From yeah, Nope it's to Babylon yeah. to yeah to this, I would argue as well. It's yeah. something that's often left out. It's... Yeah, it's true, and I think um, one thing that I think is really funny that's like a really great critique in this movie is like. Um, the the ears the ears guy the performer who's like all ears just incredible um that was used a lot in like the trailers oh yeah um as like a thing that you're supposed to take seriously so it's like oh you're gonna see some weird shit in this movie including Mm -hmm. a guy who's got ears all over his body and then when you actually see the ears guy it's like a critique of how vapid art can be, you know, just that here's this guy who like, 
he just put a bunch of ears on his body. Yeah. They don't even work. He can't hear he, better. <laughs> he puts them on the outside as well, which is not yes. what you're supposed to do, right? He doesn't get it. Right. That's, that's the beauty of it. Like, oh, I'm sewing my mouth shut. I'm sewing my eyes shut. I'm putting my ears that are performative because they don't work. But also on top of that, it is the true art then is cutting inside yourself, which right. is, once again, very subtle there, Cronenberg. Um, but that's fine. Um, it's like, oh, you need to look on the inside. You don't need to look on the outside. There's no aesthetical change that's going to give you artistic reference. It's never, it's never, that's not going to be it. That's not where you need to look. You need to look on the inside. You need to explore the self. He says, as he's making a movie while exploring his own metacontextual character. Yes. <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, Christ. It's so many yeah. things. And I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. I love how, I just love that, uh, you know, ha- having been, um, to grad school for fine art and like you know definitely making work like that too where you know you're just kind of like well let's see uh contemporary artists are supposed to do crazy shit to their bodies so what should i do (laughs) and i actually i think that's a good i i think that like that's actually super valid and people should do that when they're making art um it's a good it's a good place to start and like you're gonna make some cringe kind of silly things and that's fine i think that's totally fine i think people should do that but i think yeah the the critique here is more of that it this is like the art world you know that this is like this big salon all these people are there and this guy is like presenting his you know his piece which is his himself and it's just like oh yeah he just like put a bunch of ears on himself like they don't even work like he doesn't he's a good dancer but like conceptually it's sort of a failed project definitely just a couple more pretentious things i'm so sorry but oh, it's uh let's go <laughs> i'm there <laughs> but no but it's like it is then like going a little bit back to like the geiger stuff and like how that is very much conceptualized of as a personal fear and personal a collection of fears and um, Cronenberg is then deeply not interested in revealing the second mouth of the xenomorph, so to speak. Like, ooh, look, it's a fucked up thing. Look, it got more fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's fine. Like, I would think personal fear horror, ba- uh, personal fear based horror, there we go, can be fine and can be interesting. I like Alien, for what it's worth. I like Aliens too, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, it gets, it gets, it gets troublesome. Um, there's there's a hot scene in Alien Four though where where Ripley Scott is uh, allowed to be a lesbian for five seconds, but other than that it's it, it's um it's just it's just the eminence it's just emanating of energy. Never mind. Moving on, it's um, Cronenberg is then not interested in playing with personal fears, but uh, how collective fears affect the person on a deeply profound level, and I think that is such an interesting perspective that tying into his idea that he is. Uh, as we have like stumbled upon a couple of times throughout this recording, um, he's not interested in championing any set of ideals, but mm-hmm. rather than diligently coaxing out this I- uh, set of ideas that you have to turn inside out on themselves, uh, on your own. Like you have to reach this objective uh, state only through exploration of your own deep subjectivity, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that that is. Uh, something a bunch of uh, people can learn stuff from, I think, uh, any artist in any field for the matter. 
And yeah. on the library punk, I talked a little bit about is when streaming has done so much damage to the um, art is not allowed to like decay anymore. It doesn't decay. It just becomes old and different because of mm-hmm. that. And I think that like um, looking through an artist catalog, for instance, no matter if it's a visual, musical, whatever, I think looking at the older artists and like you said, it's uh, it, you're going to do something that might be, I don't know, uh, cringe or bad or whatever. And like leaving that there and then learning from it and doing it better later on is, uh, I'm so sorry, but it's deeply ironic, I think. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so beautiful. It's, it's so, so hot. Like um, showing your improvement and allowing this vulnerability to be on display. Mwah, chef's kiss. Yeah. That's, and that's, actually, that's and actually this is, um, and I, I, I should watch, watch it, but, um, one of David Cronenberg's first movies is called Crimes of the Future. Oh, From, yeah. It's in the 70s. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I almost downloaded that one instead of this one. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so cool if we watched two different Crimes of the Future and just like right. went went in together and like tried to talk about it. Because I, I don't believe you know, want to talk about this movie. It's not... Yeah. Like I know that there's a, it's a, a lot of the same themes and there's even the, um, the plastic eaters, you know, kind of like have this like white foam that comes out of their mouths when yeah. they're eating to digest. Um, that was in the original as well, that there's this like this white foam that's coming out of. Um, I don't know why. I, I don't really remember exactly why. I know in the first one, um, it's like all the reproducing age women are gone for some reason. Yeah, so it's definitely more... <laughs> Once again, sounds like a great reactionary setting. Yeah, I'm like, this one's better. Because <laughs> that one sounds like a, l- a little rough yeah. in some of its politics. But, well, yeah, um, in its yeah. setting alone is so... Automatically then reduces women to property as means of production. Right, Bre- yeah, like breeding. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, that's... Once again, even though it is not then directly argued, because once again, I argue that I'm not interested in championing any set of ideals, mm-hmm. but he does then purposefully obfuscate everything. But the beauty then is that his in his obfuscation, there are multiple paths of analysis still. Yeah. Then. And that is, yeah, it's not just, oh, a fake just because you're afraid to be understood and you're afraid that what is then would have been understood isn't that much to begin with. Like, you know, right. that this is what a lot of, uh, like the director of uh, an HBO show called Westworld, who purposefully changed season two because someone on Reddit predicted it. I'm like, go fuck, you should be banned yeah, yeah, from, yeah. <laughs> from making anything ever again. Well, now so Westworld, Westworld is like just gone. It's been disappeared by HBO. Oh, that's a whole thing. Um, which is yeah, bizarre. Um, but actually, you know what I, I was thinking about when you when we were talking so, you know, the original crimes of the future is about um reproductive organs and this movie i think is a great improvement in that like the organs are like non-specific they are like useless or non-productive i'm put i'm doing air quotes (laughs) this is not a visual medium which i think is much more interesting you know because it's not like oh all the reproductive 
you know, like that gets into some very, very like problematic bioessentialist territory. Whereas this is like, these are organs that like, we don't really know what they do yet. You know, like we're not really quite sure men can have them. Women can have them. Non-binary folks can have them. Like maybe animals can have them. You know, I think that's much more interesting and open to so many more possibilities, like you said. Definitely. And I think that it's then very interesting that the uh, soul approaches singular organs as if they have a purpose on their own and use on their own. And that's mm-hmm. not how organs work. work. Organs work in tandem. Yes. It is, the, the, it is, once again, it's a component of the body. And once again, the body is the being and so forth and so on. And he, he discovers this by letting the organs grow. Right. Not removing them. And then he can eat plastic. Right. Because I think Timlin says, right, that like people have been growing these organs, but they haven't been able to grow a system yet. So they haven't grown like a digestive system. They haven't grown, which isn't true. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that like, you know, these are just these weird nonspecific organs that are just like popping up and they haven't um, they haven't formed a useful system yet. Yeah, but that's like, I don't know, reading too much into it, but like, that's how capitalism approaches the individual. Like, yes. you're not supposed to be approached as individuals. You're supposed to rely on people. You're supposed to work with people. That's how human, I don't believe in any all-encompassing notion of human nature, but that is as close as I'm going to get to it. Like, right. we are supposed yeah. to be in communion. We are supposed to work together and rely upon one another. And yeah, you can decide for yourself how, to which degree this is. And, like, once again, if you only want to barely rely on people because that's what you need, all power to you. I'm not making any kind of moral judgment on that. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in doing that in any way, shape, or form. But to then say, I am strong, I am stoic, I am self-sufficient, you're not. You, you literally have an iPhone that's made by children. Shut the fuck up. And it, it doesn't, <laughs> it's, like, I'm so sorry. Like, it's every true. day you rely on other people. Like, you buy ingredients that are made by other people. Shut the like it's once again all these things also are not created by capitalism they are created by labor but that's this 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 very capitalist version that soul has on its organs that organs are supposed to once again work in tandem and so are humans right so he becomes more progressive when he accepts that his organs work in tandem yeah i agree yeah i think that there is like you know there doesn't have to be but there is definitely a leftist utopian read of this movie for sure yeah. you know the I, th- the I think it's pushing for the utopian potential of acknowledging uh like communality, uh, mm-hmm. communality. absolutely yeah. yeah yeah and that like um i think for me thinking about like you know just thinking about the role of artists in society that like i don't think you have to make art that's directly political but I think you have to acknowledge the political systems that you make art in, um, you know, and and try and figure out ways to uh, fight that, you know, that like the art world under capitalism is a just failure, <laughs> you know, like I don't want to be I like to make art, but I don't want to be a famous artist and that's the only way you can like make a living as an artist and i don't want to do that Um, then you fit in the model of profitability right and then you have to you have to also um you know sort of move with the you know art world trends and you become 
Saul where you're like, okay, I've been doing this for many years. Like, what do I do next? Like everything seems silly, you know? Yeah. I would even argue that like, that it is politically useful to not have anything as straightforward as, um, as like him, Cronenberg himself not being polemic, even mm-hmm. though putting this pol- uh, polemicity, whatever the adjective is, I'm sorry, but um, it's this uh, this polemic discussion in his movie by the characters themselves, creating this very clear uh, layer of authority of directorial versus char- character mm-hmm. uh, discussions and agendas and so forth. He is also not interested in anything uh, propagandizing anything, and it is just like a deep exploration of cells and making sure that like uh, politics are fundamentally permeable, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's just keep it at that. That's <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I'll get too much into it. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think it's also just like a gorgeous movie, you know, it's like yeah. very erotic and it's very mm-hmm. um, like intimate and tender and in a, in a way that, like, most Cronenberg movies are not. Oh, yeah. A lot of them have a, a much more, um, like, sort of cold distance, I think. I read something in a review that, like, sort of the early Cronenberg, um, like, quote-unquote heroes, like, flame out young. Like, uh, um, the uh, Max Wren from Videodrome you know, kind of goes out with a bang. <laughs> um, and, like, that aging Cronenberg is sort of, has had to confront that a little bit more, you know, right. and is like, what do you do? What do you do as an older artist who's, like, contemplating mortality and also, like, your place in the world? Definitely. I think everything he explores, the aestheticism of it changes, but he still offers hope and horror in equal measure mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i think that is you know that's, that's uh, that, beautiful that is what is captivating to me of uh, there's a bunch of things that i've said but that is once again one of the many elements that i find so captivating of Cronenberg. yeah i agree yeah i think that like directors that offer only one are not that interesting to me you know like i think yeah, and- um not to like not to call out anybody too much, but I think, you know, like uh, Aronofsky is more of a just horror. <laughs> like everything is incredibly bleak, you know, and then a lot of, you know, just kind of goofy movies are just hope, you know, like Oscar-y type movies. And it's like, eh, that's not that interesting either. Like, I'm happy that I live in a world that has both or has uh, platitudes, has like, you know, uh, contains multitudes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, no, I am mm, having witnessed it. Then I am then like deep, more deeply drawn to like uh, a more thoughtful exploration that once again doesn't have anything as straightforward as any set of politics you mm-hmm. know, or any kind of propaganda. I get prop if you really want to get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, one more thing. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw an old note of mine um, that. <laughs> That, t- that is titled, uh, my guy just wanted to munch on some uh, plastic garbage. Like, what's, what's your problem? <laughs> How is that the final straw for you? That's um, <laughs> moving on from that. I just wanted to read you um, uh, some some thoughts on this movie that I read in an article. I decided I'm not very fond of, I'm just going to be honest about this. Uh, it's called The Independent Co. UK. 
and mm-hmm. um, they they are, uh, some they send someone to Cannes uh, Cannes Film Film Festival in France, mm-hmm. and um, I've reported that a lot of people were like uh, fucking off in the first couple of minutes, and uh, but it also got a six minute ovation, which is so Cronenberg. I would say I'm so sorry yeah, to keep on yeah. saying that, by the way, but it's true. And then um, the guy said that according to him, this movie was more quote more like a cerebral art gallery installation piece than a full-blooded dramatic movie, end quote. And that's a very fancy way to me to say that you didn't get it. Like, I don't like doing this, but I'm, I'm so sorry. But that is, <laughs> that's, yeah, I, hmm. By all means, like, at least add some potentiality to your review. Like, to me, I couldn't get beyond the art gallery or whatever, or like, you know. Yeah. Uh, Cerebral Art Gallery, by the way, is a very interesting attempt at sounding fancy. Uh, I know there's rich coming from me from this episode, but I just have a humble podcast and I don't work for a major publication. It's <laughs> There's nothing cerebral about it, I think. Um, it's deeply uh, body, how do we say this? Body-oriented. Yeah, not bodied. Very yeah. much not cerebral, but that's maybe he means something different. I don't know. It's also a narrative film. You know that is very dramatic. Yeah, like, he says, like it's not a full-blooded dramatic movie. I'm like, eh, it's it. <laughs> the man cries after eating a candy bar. I don't know how much more dramatic <laughs> you want to get. That's pretty goddamn dramatic. Yeah. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> yeah. It's it's him having deep, very passionate, even though problematic and condescending conversations with his lover slash co-star about like you know her wanting to explore herself and maybe doing something stupid, but him not being supportive of that. And this woman realizing herself through threesomes and alt face alteration, which you go, girl. Like, <laughs> Hell I'm yes. so sorry. That's what yeah, I do, right? too. That's how I also right. explore myself. Um, septum <laughs> piercings sure and threesomes. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I, it is deeply dense with trauma. Yeah. And it's like the, the boy dying then is, oper- is uh, operated on like at, in the end and is used as a statement for progressiveness like the, the death of the child that is used as once again you can be a fan of it you can not be a fan of it that's totally cool i am not saying this movie is for everybody by the way uh i liked it but once again it's, it's totally cool you don't have to like the movie but to say it is not dramatic then just betrays this deep misunderstanding or just a lack of your ability to understand cinema and um, yeah yeah i think it's it's such a bummer that um you know it's really hard to talk about this with sounding without sounding like a giant snob but also like i don't he started it yeah that's true (laughs) i'm just on podcasts too i don't make any money um (laughs) but like you know particularly like american cinema although this is a person from the uk um i think so we, I don't know if we want this, but like it's easy for the studios to make a lot of money by just like feeding you sort of like a regurgitated story. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, that has to have a happy ending. Yeah, that's also based on properties. So it's like, you know, these heroes, like, you know, you, you get so attached to like, luke skywalker that he can't do anything bad ever he has to do good things only so it's like you know 
your creative control is gone and um mm-hmm. and it's just like yeah you just want to sell more toys and so which actually i was think actually i would love some crimes of the future toys <laughs> yeah i'd have like a mini like surgery chair yeah stuff. yeah it's just great. to like play around in um oh, yeah. so <laughs> who's the capitalist now but um <laughs> But yeah, like that's just basically saying like if a movie is like a little weird that it just like should only be in a gallery. Like this is a narrative film. There's art films that don't have any narrative to them that like I could say I could see um someone saying that about like Skinnerink maybe where it's like <laughs> eh, okay. it's kind of light on narrative but it's like all vibes which i also like i don't have any yeah. problem with that um but yeah this is a story this is like a, a it has a full arc of of narrative and and drama and it's not like i think just cuz it is like a little weird doesn't mean it should only be in a gallery that's such a strange thing to say yeah once again i think he's calling it art gallery installation piece mm-hmm. as in just a condemnation of the movie like Cronenberg is this. Oh, 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 I like a book. Right. And movies yeah. are are not just movies. Are not just films. They are art itself. Like it's something. I think that is what. Uh, I'm assuming it's a he. Um, I don't. Know. <laughs> so sorry, I don't care at this point. Um, it, it has to be this. The self entitlement in this type of talking has to be a guy. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I um, agree, probably. This, con- this confidence in being wrong is usually only exhibited by guys. I am so sorry. That's, <laughs> you that's, don't have to be. It's, you know, I'm not saying, yeah. and I think women can be wrong too. That don't worry, you you can do it, ladies. But other than that, it is um, no. But yeah, it, I think that is what he's accusing him yeah. of. And I'm like, come on, it's, well, just say yeah, you didn't get right. it. It's cool. You're right because he's like a- ascribing a level of pretension to David Cronenberg that David Cronenberg doesn't actually have, but like he wants him to have. Yeah, yeah, but it's potentially like a very vulnerable exploration of himself as well with like what we talked about right like this might be him like oh shit i might be a washed up douchebag that like has a younger assistant or whatever i don't know i'm not quite sure about that dynamic but it's still it's like in many ways he might call himself a soul and what you said about like him coming back into like uh his form or like um like a lot of people would argue that this is him coming back into his roots so to mm-hmm. speak or like a reinvention yeah. of his roots yeah i think that we cannot discard that uh that potential narrative of him exploring himself mm-hmm. when the movie is so deeply interested in exploring yourself psychologically through physical exploration and so forth and so on but yeah yeah um i wanted to read what oh yes please a reaction to <laughs> to do okay <clears throat> quote <laughs> Is there not enough mystery and horror in the world without the likes of Cronenberg emptying his mental vileness upon humanity? Question <laughs> mark. I mean, what kind of people would go see this film like this? Not people that I would want to either know or no, nor be associated with. And that's totally cool. Um, yeah, you know what? I don't you want don't it sound. To watch it. I don't want to hang around people who talk like that. You fucking <laughs> it. it's, Come on. That's like the, um, yeah, like any reactionary sort of feeling about like, well, I don't want this like, you know, gay bar here. And it's like, well, you don't have to go into it. It's not. Yeah. No, but like, they have to look at it. Like, you're not required to watch every movie. It's not like 
you know, yeah. It's, it is really interesting, the structure of his argumentation by uh, saying the, the bucket is full. There's enough misery and horror in the world, not in cinema, but in the world. So when times are bad, we're not allowed to make bad movies, even though that can be deeply therapeutic and mm -hmm. helpful to people. But besides the point, um, it's already, there, there is an objectively, okay, I'm, I'm going to overanalyze this, but I'm right. Um, it's, <laughs> there is apparently, according to him, an objectively quantifiable matrix in which we can reach, um, which argues that the bucket is full. Yeah, we, we're done. We cannot experience, yeah. This is, uh, there is a, there's an objective scientific measurement for misery slash horror, and or horror, or misery is the y-axis and horror is the x-axis. I don't know. And it's like that this this has reached critical uh, velocity. And then there is this, this mental vileness upon humanity. Like this man is that influential. <laughs> that is, he's like, I don't I know. He's like, David Cronenberg was that influential. <laughs> like he can stream it into your like frontal lobes or something. Like yeah. emptying his mental vileness. I... Oh, that's, a, I'm going to, I I don't know who you are, but I'm going to steal that mental vileness. I'm going to, I'm going like, to threaten to empty my mental vileness onto people. Yeah. Uh, well, it's like it's, he watched Videodrome and got like to, like he became part of the Videodrome yes. and then wrote this. You're <laughs> like, dude, like he's not that influential. Like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. It's like, are you really afraid to be a fly or something? I, I don't Yeah. Did a Videodrome I, write this? <laughs> and then the beautiful moral condemnation. Like, he then moves on from Cronenberg, which, if he just had a deep issue with Cronenberg, I would have let it, let, let it be. But yeah. so, I mean, comma, what kind of people would go and see a film like this? So it's, he is then goes on from his, uh, his horror of, uh, mystery matrix to, to, uh, moral purity mm -hmm. um he's preaching purity ethics and i'm like christ dude it's okay well, anyway. i had a blast <laughs> uh, looking at those two reactions uh, yeah so, so, so. oh i'm sure it's like all the people who um watched parasite and were like the parasites are the poor people the poor like, people what, the <laughs> the what movie did you people. watch like they should have yeah, drowned in yeah. their slums i don't they know where bad. they're coming in. they yeah. were bad people yeah it's like what the fuck what What's going on? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, it's just wild, like, what people read into movies, even when um, the director is like, this is a movie about capitalism. <laughs> yeah, and you, you can know. tell that by the other 50 movies that I've made about that are anti-capitalist sentiments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, all right, um, if you have any closing thoughts or whatever, anything you want to, like, say? No, I, I, um, at one point I wrote down when you said skin suit of a dream, I'm like, oh, I'm writing that shit down. I, oh, I need to, uh, I need yeah, to name, ahead. I need to like, uh, make a collage for that. <laughs> oh, send to me. Cause I, I love, love that. I love that as like a, a fragment. Um, but yeah, I, I love, I absolutely love this movie. I feel like, um, they, I've I've listened to so many people talk about it and like I could talk about it forever. I think it's just right. such a cool there's so many things to dig into. And I just I think anyone who's listening to this, I hope you've already seen it or you run out and watch it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and that's 
It's level. not as scary. Okay, is it? It's, it's a not movie scary. that might no. make you uncomfortable, and it is scary on a psychological level. Mm-hmm. But there are no jump scares in this. So no. if you are sensitive to that kind of horror, this is a lot more digestible. It is just has grossness in it. That's the worst you're gonna get. Like you know, body stuff, body horror. That's yeah. That and you know, and these psychological implications of it. That's a that's a real yeah. tough uh, pill to swallow. I love horror, but like I'm more into this kind of horror than oh, I am. definitely like jump scare horror. It took a definitely. while for me to get into jump scares, and I still don't. I don't love yeah. them, but like this kind of body horror genre, I'm just like. Yeah, it's body fully, horror that's related to psychological shit. exploration. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, thank everybody so much for listening, and Kate, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Yeah, honestly, it's. It's great. Uh, thank you so much for being this movie uh, on here. And uh, and uh, for those who listen to Left Page as well, we might say Kate soon. So Woo! stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> and I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye.